Yeah, they, well, I mean, the at least what I found said an action that was wrong or misguided. And I thought that was interesting. I like my definition better, so I kept it. <laughs> Mistakes. <laughs> Welcome to Think, Act, Get with James Shramko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster, and get high-performance results in your business. Hi there, listener. Welcome back to another episode of Think, Act, Get. Ezra Firestone here with my partner, as always, James Shramko. James, how you doing, man? Doing well, thank you. How are you, Ezra? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm fresh. I'm full of life. It's 8.14 p.m. in the evening here in New York. I don't know what time it is, where you are, or where you are in the world, for that matter. That's the beauty of it, hey? It's 10 o'clock in the morning here. In uh, or ten fourteen in Sydney, and it's sunny and the day is working out pretty good so far. Well, that's good news. You know, this episode is interesting because it's about mistakes, and a mistake is an action taken that yields an unexpected result that you don't like. Now, I looked up the actual definition of mistakes. Uh, this is my definition of what a mistake is: an action taken. Yeah, it's got to say. Yeah, that's, that's definitely not what the dictionary says. I found a different one. Yeah, <laughs> but you know the dictionary. I think you might have made a mistake there. Did you uh, look up the dictionary definition of it? Yeah, it talks about a judgment being wrong or a misunderstanding or something that that doesn't work. Yeah, they well, I mean, the at least what I found said an action that was wrong or misguided, and I thought that was interesting. I like my definition better, so I kept it. <laughs> Mistakes. What are they? How are you using them? which is a question that I'm actually genuinely asking, and how are they affecting your business and your life? That's what we're looking at in this episode of Think I Get. Nice. I think it's a great topic, and it's one we hear a lot about in business. There's a whole fan club of people who say, you know, have mistakes, have lots of them, embrace them, like, you know, fail fast, all this sort of stuff. What do you think about that? You know, I, I don't really think you should be embracing them. I, here's what I think. Well, I'm getting to that in just a minute, but... I. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about, I think it's a very good thing to bring up, which is that everyone is all, you know, championing mistakes. And I think that's sort of part of the, uh, you know, at least the culture in America anyways, where everyone's a winner and everyone gets a trophy and all this kind of stuff. Like Oh, participation award? Yeah, like all that stuff that like sort of has you so out of touch with reality that you think you're winning when you're losing that kind of thing. That creates an entire generation of entitlement. And, yeah, it's sort of, um, I mean, I don't, low work ethic. Yeah, it's a bit of a systemic problem. But here's a question I have, and I want to get back to what you brought up, but I want to bring this up first, which is kind of like, what do you do when you make a mistake? How do you respond? Do you scramble and try to hide it? Are you embarrassed? Are you unwilling to admit it? Are you hard on yourself? Because I look at mistakes as information. Mistakes are information. If you heed them well, you'll likely not end up repeating the lesson. If you ignore them, you'll likely end up making the same mistakes until you take the time to understand the lesson that's available there. Yeah, well, I think of a mistake as an investment in experience. Mm. And that is how I've mentally accounted for things that, that could be classified as mistakes in my past. I've had lots of exposure to mistakes, as most people have. One critical thing is I don't think many people even realize that they're making a mistake. So I'm quite fond of saying sometimes, yeah, I, th I think that's a mistake. And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, <laughs> throw a spotlight on what they're doing and alternative things they could do instead. And they're like, wow, yes. So what I've done is give them the benefit of my experience. And, and a sort of second part to that is 
I way prefer to see other people's mistakes and observe mm. and research. So, so rather than make the mistake myself, isn't it great to, to see what came before us or what's going on around us? So you're sort of preemptively acknowledging and looking for potential kind of mis- pitfalls, mistakes. Well, I'm using data and, and other, I'm leveraging experiences, if you want to put it like that. I'm observing and being more conscious of what's going on. So you might call that acuity. That's how I can know someone's making a mistake when they don't even realize they're in a misjudgment or a misunderstanding. Well, that's a good point because you know one of the notes I had here was that only in hindsight do we recognize the mistakes. So the good news is that like we kind of get to choose how we judge our mistakes. We can emphasize the learning lesson they bring about, or we can em- emphasize the emotional downright of judging our past action as wrong. You know, we kind of have this choice, and if we emphasize the learning experience, then the mistake has value. It tells you something about the process you're involved in. It tells you something that you tried wasn't right, so you can move in a different direction. And if you're able to kind of separate, because this is what happens. People make a mistake and then they sort of judge themselves as bad people because they did something bad. Or they dwell. They, they dwell and, and get depressed about it. Or they dwell or, or, they, or they wallow, you know. And, and like wallowing doesn't do you any good, right? So you kind of got to be able to separate that judgment from yourself from judgment of the action. And it's easier to kind of engage in a learning process if you're judging the action rather than judging yourself. Like that was the wrong move instead of. I'm a wrong person for having made that move. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, what is there some quote about like it's human to err or something. <laughs> to to err to err is human. Yeah, something like that. So I think that when when things like that happen, we understand and we have the choice. You know, when things happen, it's then how do we react to that? Like once the arrow's left the bow, it's it's gone and off you can't get it back. Right. And then it's going to hit somewhere, you know? It's- yeah. So now, okay, so you, you could, you might even see it coming and it's going to hit and you can brace yourself or wince. But when it hits, then, then it's like, what next? Do you say, okay, well, I'm done. I'll just let this take me. Or do we snap it off and burn a blade and seal the wound and get back on the horse, you know? Oh, well, that, you know, it's, that brings up an interesting question, which can we even laugh about it? Yeah. Can, can we, you know, can we remain sane in the face of it? And this is a thing where I, I see a lot of people make a mistake and then they quick try to fix it in a scramble. And I think that's not probably the best strategy to fix it while you're all crazy. It's often good to pause. Yeah. Take a break. Uh, I saw something, I saw some, <laughs> a very prominent marketer recently emailed his entire prospect list with the JV update oh for his product God. launch. Oh, my God. No. As soon as I saw that through, I'm like, oh, oh man. Oh. That's I know bad. That feeling. I know that feeling when you realize you've made a mistake and you, 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 you get flushed and you feel like a little sense of shock and yeah. then maybe yeah. anger and regret and remorse. And like it all cycles pretty quickly and then it's like, okay, what do I do now? What's, what's the next? Do I... Do I pretend it was intended? Do I confess up yeah. to it? How do I handle um, that? And this guy handled it really well. You know, he just he sent. Oh, you know, that was a bit a bit of a mistake. But if you're interested in you know in becoming a partner, <laughs> a bit of one. <laughs> reply back. Um, yeah, let, let of, me know. You know, lucky he didn't belittle <laughs> you know, the customer or do anything disparaging, which I've often seen marketers do, or, or like right when they finish a webinar. And they think they've hung up the webinar, but they're still there. And then they're and then they start saying stupid stuff or bad stuff or like kind of revealing their yeah, like oh those suckers are gonna buy like crazy. They're lapping this shit up and stuff like that. It's like wow, that's so bad. Know, it's, and it's also like if you have that that sort of 
if you're talking about your customers in that fashion, you you suck. You know, uh, it's not. <laughs> you should. You've got to think about your customers as if they could see you at all times. You know, one way that I. Or as if they're people as well, yeah, who yeah, you're like, actually trying to serve. But, but, you're like not just trying to sell some stuff. You know that, that quote or whatever about, you know, it's what you do when people aren't looking that defines you or something like yes. that. It's like, yes. I reckon there's a possibility that, that in our lifetime, someone might discover some kind of time travel or some kind of retro device that can go back through and find data points and actually either be present or reconstruct something that happened in the past. Right, you know, like they can carbon date things now, or they can interpret Egyptian scrolls, like get a bit of a window into what happened. We'd have to think that there might be a possibility that, sure. you know, being around all these phones and computers, yeah. maybe everything is being recorded, and one day in the future, everyone can access it. What kind of legacy are you leaving or laying down? Like how how real are you? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely all of your conversations that you have around your iPhone are being yes. recorded. Let's not even like it has nothing to do with the topic, but I thought it was really interesting to to drop that in. Yeah, well, that's not even a com- man. I'll tell you if you want to get if you want to get wild on that whole thing. There's a, a podcast called Note to Self. Uh, it's a, a WNB, WNBC podcast. Same people who produce Radio Lab. Uh, host is Manusha Marodi, and she did an episode called "Is My Phone Eavesdropping on Me?" That was sort of a review of an article written. by by this guy Walter Kern, and the article was called "If You're Not Paranoid, You're Crazy." Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's totally practical, and it just talked about the data points that are being collected on you and how it's being, how they're being collected, and how the you know there's digital imaging happening of all the cities. That's rec- it's just so crazy, man. It's kind of cool. Well, you know, my friend Jared, you know Jared. Yeah. Well, I was I was down in Melbourne, uh, checked into my hotel, and I looked at my phone and on Facebook, and I saw his friends nearby. Jared was like right next to the building. So I sent him a message and say, hey, buddy, you want to catch up for dinner? He's like, how do you know I'm in Melbourne CBD? Because he doesn't live in Melbourne CBD. I'm like, well, my phone told me you're right next, right next to me. And he's like, whoa. And, then, you know, we went out to dinner. And this is all because the, the thing connected us. But quite seriously thinking of uninstalling my social media apps when I travel. I don't really want to advertise to people when I'm not around or not at home or where I am, I think I want to turn all that stuff off. It's really not smart. Anyway. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, whether or not your phone is on or off, you're still being tracked. Let's, you know, that's not that your mic is hot. It, your data's being, it's like, man, I've investigated this particular subject with a, a bit of uh, enthusiasm because well, save your powder, save your powder for another episode. Let's get going. Let's get it back on. Oh uh, yeah. We'll get, get on another episode. On. So, so let's get back to this section. Well, one thing you were talking about kind of brought up uh, something for me, which is how do you handle other people's mistakes? Your partner, your friends, your business partner, your employees, your kids. You know, do you come ha- down hard on them? Are you impatient? Uh, kind of what happens when when that you know when that situation occurs? And I've got a little bit of uh, content that I just thought of on this, and I also have something else I want to get to in a moment about you know when when groups of people are are involved in mistake. But one of the things that I've found useful, specifically related to business and my team, is when I notice a mistake happening to give that particular person who's making that mistake access to some resources that can help them fix the mistake they've made and not make it in the future. And then if they continue to make that same mistake, I use what I call gradient levels of pressure to correct it, leading all the way up to firing them. I'm talking about warnings, penalties, etc. And that's sort of a strategy that I've used. And if it's a friend who continues to do something that I consider a mistake, I kind of have the option of like whether to change my mind about what they're doing and decide, okay, that's okay. 
Or if the behavior continues, they continue to exhibit that behavior and I don't like it, I can distance myself from them. And it's sort of like it is a delicate situation when someone else is making a mistake that who maybe, you know, maybe was not uh, in your team. And I'm curious about how you handle mistakes in your team related to business and then also how you handle what you consider to be mistakes your friends are making. Well, the main technique I do is I get in their shoes. I seek to understand, you know, how they might view it from their point of view. Because so few people do right. this in life. They're always looking through their own eyes in a very selfish way. I just say, like if my webmaster accidentally deletes my website or something you know, and it happens, mm. the first thing I say is, don't worry, it's all fixable. We can call on the backup. I've done this myself and I know how bad you must feel, but it's totally fine because I encourage risk-taking in my business. Yeah. I can't have an automatically running team. Right, people who are freaked out about taking risks or actions. Yeah, if you're going to have barriers up and they, can't, they cannot move forward, if they can't stick their neck out for fear of it being chopped off like a gelatine, then what sort of team am I building? So they have to stick their neck out. They will make mistakes. We expect it. I actually build in an allowance for that. I'm like, if we're not making occasional misdirections we're not trying anything and so we're not moving yeah so my whole philosophy is this and i understood this early on luckily for me that we really need to accept the one fact about life and that is that it will be constantly changing and if we accept that then surely a worthwhile thing is to embrace in fact not even just embrace but to master change and if there's one thing that we can change or, or manage more than anything else, it's ourselves. So I'm okay now. And that's where I, that's when I really came up with this bond to the idea of investment in experience. Otherwise, I could beat myself up or I could say everything I've done up to this point, good or bad or otherwise, has got me to today. And I'm starting today from scratch and what I make of today is up to me. I'm in control of that. I'm the master of my own ship. Well, you know, you're playing a very you're playing a very high game, and that high game that you're playing is called personal responsibility. And you take an extraordinary amount of responsibility for your situation and your life, and it's why your life is the way it is. It's because you understand that you are responsible for your situation. And the less responsibility people take tends to uh, equate with the kind of where they are in their life. Like the less responsibility you take, the kind of shittier time you're having. And I think, so that's kind of one of my viewpoints is that personal personal responsibility. To tail that off then, what I do is I share my viewpoints with the team and I encourage them to take responsibility. And I found that they are very responsible when they make a mistake, they take corrective action. They don't need to, to sit around and worry about it or hide it or bury it, which is a very common reaction by employees or contractors. You know, doctors can bury their mistakes, but no one else can. <laughs> they eventually come out, right? Yeah. Um, so That's pretty intense. Rather than bury it, they face it. They know they can, can talk about it without fear of losing their job. And then they get on with the real thing, which is, mm. okay, what's done is done, but how are we going to go from this point? And we have had situations come up and we've overcome all of them by being proactive about it, by being open and honest and responsible with it and being self-healing mechanisms. They actually are like 
living cells that can think. Actually, that's one skill that I've instilled in my team. The ability to think is, is rare. Well, I mean, that, that also comes down, to, that comes down to how you've trained them to respond in situations of stress. They're not afraid that you're going to just chop off their arms you know, or get crazy on them. They know that you're in support of them. Well, there is positive stress. You know, like that's what creates grip for a race car's tires. You know, that when it's going around a corner, it's loading up stress and the, and it's the rubber pushing on the bitumen is what creates that traction that holds the car on the road. So uh, you can have positive stress. Some people take it too far. Well, this, you know, you brought up, you brought up something that kind of reminds me of something that I've noticed in, in large groups or even Greek groups. It could be small groups too, that immediately after something goes wrong, there comes blame. People are, are very invested in figuring out whose fault it was. So it's like, stop, hold everything. Yeah, it's irrelevant. Yeah. It doesn't it, matter. That's not, it's, it's, we're past that. It doesn't even well, matter whose fault saying. it is. What matters is what caused it and how can we prevent that from reoccurring? Yeah, it's absurd if you really think about it because. And then what do we do to fix it? If something went wrong, that shouldn't be important. The first order of business should be to fix the problem, not to worry about who did what. Yeah, fix it first and then do a yes. then do an analysis. Okay, what caused this? So it's like you do a Toyota five whys. Why did this happen? And and why, 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 why? It's it's a it's a great thing. Why why is this car's door not lined up? Well, the machine put it on inaccurately. Why did the machine put it on inaccurately? Well, it's not been calibrated for six months. Why hasn't it been calibrated for six months? Well, for some reason it was missing off the calibration audit schedule why is it missing off the calibration audit schedule oh because fred does that and he had sick leave last month and and so he just forgot to put it in so now we finally got to the root cause okay so let's pre-schedule maintenance audits for all of the machinery for the next decade and we're good (laughs) the doors will come on straight so having that having that process it, it is good this comes back to what we talked about before data having good data can protect you from making mistakes and it can also uh, ensure against recurring, you know, repeating a mistake that already happened is one of the most savage, painful things that can happen, isn't it? And if we can... It's terrible and it's like there's no reason for that. Stop something happening again in the future. Yeah. Yeah. If if you can learn from your mistakes, if if you've got that investment and experience, then the second part of that is pay once. Just pay once. Pay for the pay for the lesson once. You know, if you get your fingers burnt with with stock trading or property, and you and you lost money, you've got an investment experience. Let's say you lose a hundred thousand dollars. Well, you just invested a hundred thousand dollars in learning what not to do with your property portfolio. Only pay that fee once. Now you've got the property education experience. You don't need to do the course again. You know, it brings up something that you brought up earlier, which is proactively seeking out solutions to problems you don't know you have. So for example, I'm putting on an event. I go to you and I say, hey dude, what's all the stuff you think I need to know about putting on an event? I go to Roland Frazier from Digital Marketer and I say, hey dude, what's all the stuff you think I know need to know to put about putting on an event? I go to everyone I know who puts on events and I get a list of things to consider that I maybe would not have considered. So I think that is also like I think that initial strategy that you brought up is is gold. One of the great techniques there that's sort of implied with what you just said is a great question. It's what should I be asking or what don't I know to even ask you about? That's a good coaching 
technique and it's one major reason that people have coaches by the way is to fill in the gaps because uh, if you look up Johari window there's four quadrants and the quadrant that usually gets people uh, there's two one is what they don't know that others do know and that's the one you're seeking to fill in with those sort of questions and then there's the other one, which is what you don't know and what no one else knows either. That, that's the big unknown. That, that sort of leads into other things like the black swan theory. And that's fascinating um, discussion. But we have to allow for change. That's my main point around this. Expect, expect that there'll be mistakes. If you are making forward motion and not all the variables are known, which is like this great game of life, there will be some wrong turns. It's about quickly realizing that and getting back on track without beating yourself up, uh, without slaying your team unnecessarily, you know, and moving forward. And and if you're graceful in the in light of a mistake, your team will be fortified by it instead of mortified by it. Oh damn! Doing a little rhyme. You're gonna make mistakes. They're part of being alive. Part of taking risks necessary to create anything new. So making mistakes doesn't make you a bad person. It's part of being a person. And you don't have to judge them as a bad thing. Let's roll into the weekly willpower wager. We will roll Carol. Weekly willpower wager. Thank you, Carol. So our weekly willpower wager is next time you make a mistake or you be, you know become aware of it, whether it's self-identification or someone points it out to you, make a deliberate note on how you handle that mistake and perhaps come back to this episode at Think at Get. Look for episode 63 called mistakes and put a comment under show notes there we get people commenting and letting us you know sharing experiences and uh, let us know if anything we've talked about in this episode is helpful to you awesome so we've got our news and updates section going on where we are going to talk a little bit about what's going on in our worlds now uh james i know that you have your annual conference coming up in march of 2017 super fast business live yeah actually that was quick, Ezra. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, no, I was going to say yeah. I have another commitment that I may be uh, coming yeah. to um, Australia for in January. So I'm not sure if I'm going to make it to the event, but that. Yeah, that's okay. There's no, we're not, we're not touting you as a guest expert yet. You're not committed to that, so that that's totally cool. I, in fact, I haven't announced any of the speakers, and I haven't put the tickets on sale. But the the venue's locked in. The, the dates are set. It's definitely happening in March 2017, and. We'll be sending out details when that event opens, and I expect that tickets will sell well, just like the tickets have sold well for your event, Ezra, which I will be speaking at in uh, August. I know. I convinced you to fly to California. I couldn't believe it, frankly, but I'm super happy. You didn't convince me to fly there. San Diego compelled me due to Encinitas having such wonderful surf, and my, my good friends there who looked after me last time uh, Paul and Aaron and and um, my my friend with the candy van, <laughs> they they took me around to the surf spots and made it such a great experience that I really look forward to going back there and speaking at your event and soaking up that Californian atmosphere. What a great place to run the event! Yeah, baby, smart marketer, e-commerce all stars. August fourth and fifth, twenty sixteen. Uh, we will have a live stream for sale. We are completely sold out of tickets, so uh, if you're interested, you can check us out smartmarketer.com forward slash all stars. Some other news 
from my end is I have a software as a service company called Zipify, Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com, Zipify apps, applications for Shopify business owners. We've got some really cool stuff going on over there that's very exciting. If you are an e-commerce business owner, you definitely want to check out Zipify.com. Anything else going on with you, James? Yeah, I've got uh, Maldives Mastermind coming up in September. and Which you're sold out on, I believe. There's two spots, and that's just, just because someone had a – um, someone had to go and compete in a competition at the the same week, so that's freed up a couple of spots. But I I never put it out to my email list, and I think I if I pop it onto Facebook, it might sell out. So I don't know, depending on when you're listening to this. But that is an epic thing, and you know what? That was kind of born out of our Hawaii tag retreat because that's where I got to surf again as an adult for the first time in Hawaii where you kindly took me to a razor sharp reef for my first lesson. Oh, you know, and I just throw you in with the sharks. <laughs> yes, and and uh you know, I got the bug and and it hasn't relented. I'm I'm just super stoked looking forward to that. So that's on my agenda and we're we're all good. All right. So we've got some comments, you know, we've got some folks who've been um, you know, writing in Given us some viewpoints. The first comment that we have, and by the way, <laughs> we even had some people hassling us, Ezra, to produce an episode. We had one guy, yeah, who was pissed, man. He was like, he was like, he swore yeah. at us, called us names, yeah. and he was doing that to try to get us to record more episodes. And I'm like, dude, if you want us to record more episodes, calling us names is not the best strategy, you know? <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> he was pissed. He was like, you guys have the best show, and you don't, you don't do that show. So what the heck, you know? Anyways. We got Kara on the community episode. She says, hi, James. And uh, by the way, before I get into what Kara says, we'd love to hear what you think. We want comments. We want to know what you uh, uh, have to say. Please come on over to iTunes. Give us a, a review on iTunes or hop onto our blog and leave a comment under each episode because you know we, we're doing these things for you. We want to know your experience of these topics or reply to the emails that we send out. We'd really appreciate replies to the emails. We definitely can include those and we'll talk about those. We read them all. We read every email that you send in, and we do get a lot, so we, we, we appreciate that feedback. Kara on the community episode says, Hey, James and Ezra, I really enjoyed this podcast. Ezra, you mentioned that you'd be happy to put the listeners in contact with some online communities or Facebook groups, and she mentioned the minute mark that happened. While I'm not at the level needed just yet, I'm an entrepreneurial newbie to join Superfast Business. I'm actively seeking a community or group that I can share with where I can be supported. Do you have any suggestions for me? I'm mid-30s. I'm in Melbourne. I'm currently building my first of many e-commerce stores. I'd recommend joining a Facebook group called Shopify Strategy. You can also just Google e-commerce groups and Facebook, and the ones with the most members tend to be the best. There's one called Shopify Strategy. It's run by a guy named Phil from Canada. Fantastic community. 10,000 e-commerce business owners. Very supportive. Lots of great content in there. Highly recommend it free group now she also says on a side note i actually stopped the podcast halfway to go over to super fast business and watch james's to shave or not to shave video it made me laugh out loud on the train one last thing in listening to your podcast you were both talking about asking questions interested versus interesting well i get this in theory who what how when i haven't really heard what good questioning sounds like if you're looking for your topic to hear some examples of good questionings on how people would respond. I think what she's saying is she's trying to ask better questions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, look, we just gave some examples in this actual podcast when I was talking about the Toyota 5 Ys, you know, why the doors aren't straight. It's a, the best type of questions are Socratic questions, which means that, uh, you know, it's developed by Socrates, but it's investigative questions. If you're an investigator, if you're naturally curious, if you genuinely care, you'll ask great questions. 
if you are open-minded, you'll get good questions. So being naturally curious is a tremendous advantage but, uh, and just follow your natural inclinations. That's what makes a good podcast interview too. Instead of those formulaic ones that bang out the exact same questions every time, which is I can't stand and, and I don't understand why anyone puts up with that because like, it's so boring. You know, follow the thread like a magician's handkerchief. You, you pull out a good answer. I think, oh, that's interesting and that leads me to the next question and then the next one. And Go, go deep and be curious and allow yourself a little bit of flexibility. You'll come up with great questions. And just on a side note, that super fast business group that you're in, Kara, has meetups in Melbourne every month. Uh, go to those. That's like I went to the Sydney meetup last night. Twenty five people go to that every single month, and that alone is worth the value of the community. It's such a strong bonding. The the members are kicking butt. A lot of them are actually in your e commerce group, Ezra, doing great things with their e commerce stores. So. Uh, you will speed up your business success if you go to in-person meetups or live events. That's why I'm flying to San Diego. That's why Ezra comes to Australia. That's why we meet in the middle in Hawaii sometimes. I mean, there's just nothing yeah. like it. You can't replace it. There's really nothing like it. You just can't replace that, you know? Yeah, so Matt Coffey uh, on the Intention episode have not commented in a while, but this was a great episode. By the way, Ezra, on fire, this is the one – Wannapreneur episode that we have all heard again and again from all those people who are the consumers and not executing. How many people are going, 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 going to get, get, get? Uh, they have intentions to do these magical space, but the efforts never equal the amount of real commitment. Deeper to what I consider is the, the core is the sense of urgency behind the intention. Without going further into what I call the step up principles, everything comes down to a level of urgency and belief in yourself. Without urgency, we are left to fend off distractions from our original intentions, like fighting with our arms tied. I urge those who have intentions to find a super why and understand how that can translate into urgency to back up the intention. By the way, I'm just going to articulate on that. That urgency, I think, is actually a byproduct of deeply driven desire. If I deeply desire a new fin or, or something for my board then you know urgency is instantly created i want to get down to that surf shop right right now and i want to get that fin i want to put it in my board i want to go out and surf it so the, the urgency comes after the desire i actually think and we even covered this in a previous episode as we talked about that you can actually go slow and still do good stuff it's like the way that i read a book versus rich Sheffren, and we joke about this when i see him he reads a book like it's the last thing he needs to do before he dies, like reading at a thousand miles an hour on, on an electric device, oxygen, and on a treadmill. I don't get how you can consume that, consume content while doing that. Like, how can you possibly grasp concepts? So, you know, he sort of looks at me like I read slow. I said, you know, I read every word out loud. It takes me a while to go through a book. But I said, let me ask you this, Rich. Do you like red wine? And he goes, yep. I said, do you scull it or do you sip it? He goes, well, okay, I get your point. See, I, I like reading books in the same way that someone might like drinking wine. I just enjoy it. I take it slow. So I think urgency is great, but I think urgency will actually come from a deep-rooted desire. If you can find – you can be aware or tune into your desire, then nothing will get in your way. And if there's – if you don't really desire something enough, then a lot of things can get in your way. And 
stop you from getting there. Absolutely. And finally, we have... And without, without going all Gary V, I'm not going to use any F words or swear or demean our audience. I think the reason some people aren't getting the results that they would like to get in, a, you know, in an ideal world is they just don't desire it enough and are not prepared to do what it would take to get the results. And if they could just be honest about that, they could save themselves a lot of heartache. And maybe you can just have quite a reasonable life trickling along. I used a quote uh, on a previous episode of Think I Get, and the quote was, true intentions are demonstrated by attainment. True intentions are demonstrated by attainment. It's just, yeah. it's just a fact. I, I like my comeback for, for people is don't tell me about what you're going to do. Show me what you've done. Yeah, for sure. There's a little tweetable, I think. <laughs> it's not it's not about tell, it's show. And you'll you'll notice I'm not I'm really often not talking about all the stuff that's coming down the pipeline. Have you noticed that about my marketing? I'm not like, oh, I'm gonna be doing this and doing that and I'm about to release this and I'm I'm doing some research for my next product or here's my next cover. Can you tell me what you think? None of that. I just make it and then here it is. You know, go here, get it now. And it's 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 not because I've learned about myself, if I'm really honest about my own operation is i'm not really invested in something it will not happen and so i better to just create it and then make it available than to sort of try and puff myself up and promise it one of the most painful things i ever did on the topic of mistakes was i promised a bonus of a training module each month for a year for the original Mm. john reese traffic secrets course and it was so hard to create those products. After the first six, I just started getting a lot of pressure and, and you know, like publisher's performance block. Just just knew I had to do it, knew that it was promised, just didn't want to do it, found it hard to do. And you know what my answer to that was? Eventually, it was a product called Traffic Grab, which was like a blockbuster success. I sold 2,500 copies of that wow. straight away. And that was my pent-up frustration at not, being fast enough or good enough at, at fulfilling my bonus in a timely manner or the way that I intended to do it. So I think it's better to not announce or pre, pre-talk up stuff. Let's get rid of this mindset of, you know, maybe one day possibly thinking about would like to. They're all bull- words if you break it down. Instead, it's like, here's what I've done. I love it. I love it. And the best presentation I've ever seen on this was Ed O'Keefe's presentation at Fast Web Formula 3. And I have a feeling that we have published that or some of it on Superfast Business. And he just rips into people in a way classier way than other entrepreneurs. He just he just confronts their the reality of what people tell themselves versus what they're really going to do. Yeah, and it was it was quite insightful, and and it's a favorite. He's a hardcore dude, man. He's very driven. I like it. And you know what I like about him is he takes beginner's mindset. He's very humble compared to some other people. <laughs> he is. Uh, he takes on beginner's mind, and he'll ask questions that others would think are too basic. Yeah, he's not. He's not a. And I love that about him. He's a, he's he's a he's in my mastermind group, and he he. You're right. You know, he has the. He's got the like we're always the student thing down. He's got like one of the strongest businesses ever, but he you, you, you would think he's a beginner. And if it's okay with you, Ezra, we might link to it in the show notes. It's called Internet Marketing Mindset with Ed O'Keefe. 
and it's a there's a 33 minute preview of that. Uh, members of Super Fast Business, they got the whole thing, but it's full half an hour of of on that. I I really think that's so on topic. So for now, let's get back to mistakes. Yeah. Anyways, I, I love Ed. I, anything he does, I'm I'm on board for. So Peter Standish on intention. Thanks, guys. I really enjoyed this episode. One quote that I thought might apply is from Henry Henry Thoreau. Seems to cover the message: Dream big, then do the work to make it true. If you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. Now put the foundation under them. That's a nice one, isn't it? Uh, so it's kind of like right along with what we just were talking about. And and speaking of quotes, are you keeping your quote this time? Uh, yeah, I like that one. Anyone who's never made a mistake has never tried anything new. Albert Einstein. If I was going to go for a a, a sort of a weird quote, it would be um, it would actually be General Patton. I remember this famous scene from the movie Patton, where he wins a tank battle, and the way that he did it was he was up against Rommel. Who's this fierce German tank specialist? And he actually got a hold of Rommel's book on tank warfare and read it and then went into battle with him using his own strategies against him. And he's got this quote it's like, Wow, Rommel, you magnificent bastard. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the lesson there is study history. Study history because it all comes around. Like, you know what I was doing yesterday, Ezra? This is kind of weird. I was looking at last year's Google's um, announcements for the year and I was seeing which ones panned out and which ones didn't. I wanted to learn. You know, Google puts out a lot of product initiatives. Remember Buzz? Remember, uh, you know, Wave? Remember, you know, Google Plus? A lot of the things, you know, they tout or whatever and they don't always fly. If companies like Google, who are so powerful with search engine marketing and pay-per-click, if they can make mistakes, you know, they make massive investments in experience, things that don't work out. Huge. They just cut it. So Huge money. Yeah. I mean, we'll think about all the glass holes, you know. Remember when um, flip phones were big and then they, Cisco just cut the whole product, just like gone. The, the, the iPhone killed it. It just turned it off. It was still profitable, I think. The- yeah, I actually remember I, I had, um, before the iPhone, first iPhone came out, I had this uh, little USB camera called, a, uh, uh, gosh, what was it called? It was, you know, it was just a little thing that plugged in via USB. It was a camera that you carried around. It was so popular. Yeah, it's a flip. Flip. Maybe that's what it was called, flip. That's exactly what I'm talking about, a okay. flip. Yeah, man, I had one of those things, and then they just went under. A flip camera. So there you go. Well, they they just turned it off. They just just stopped stopped producing them. Uh huh. Well, that's smart. yeah. They just said, oh, okay, you know, we'll just stop now. <laughs> <laughs> this thing so, is dead. <laughs> you know, it kind of suck, but that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not a bad idea to just stop when things die, <laughs> when you know you're done. You know, that's so big companies know this, and that you know, even venture capitalists they they have the bulk of their investments fail. And some of them are massive winners. So it's like they're always doing that, that hedging or that, you know, taking lots of small bets. That's actually more of a Peter Diamantes thing. You know how other people say just, you know, do one thing only and like really focus on it? Yeah. Peter Diamantes is like the exact opposite. And like, I'm going to do lots and lots of things because some of them will pay off big. Smart. <laughs> well, my quote is, of course, I think that people are just waiting for that time when I make a mistake and they're going to jump on it. There's going to be haters. Haters going to hate Justin Bieber. No, I'm just kidding. That was a quote that I found. But um, anyways, my actual quote is, a failure 
is not always a mistake. It may simply be the best one can do under the circumstances. The real mistake is to stop trying. B.F. Skinner. Right. Well, there you go. So I think we've covered some pretty cool stuff in this episode. It's, it's, um, it was an easy topic, I think, for us to do. Yeah, you know, we hadn't been on in a while. Had to give us a, you know, give us a win. Give us a, uh, uh, you know, sort of a, you know, one that we could just easily handle. Um, wasn't too challenging. Wasn't like death or religion <laughs> or um, sex. Although we did cover, or we did cover sex. That one was tough. I think go back and listen to the sex episode if you haven't listened to it. Uh, this is Think Act Get. These these podcasts are about mindset, behavior, and results. Our focus is to improve your life and your business, and everything is directed at you, yeah. our listener. So we've been covering mistakes. I was going to let you take us out. It's like, you know, an, uh, Ezra's definition, <laughs> an action taken that yields an unexpected result that you don't like, or, or, you know, a dictionary one, you know, a wrong judgment or something that doesn't work. So mistakes, what are they? How are you using them? How are they affecting your business and your life? That's what we've been looking at in this episode of Think, Act, Get. And uh, remember, a mistake is simply an investment in experience just remember pay once see you soon see ya this has been another episode of think act get with james shramko and ezra firestone for more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter it's free